The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Holly, I say this every week. And when I say it, I mean it, but I just, I feel like every person we talk to is the most amazing, most incredible, most wonderful person that we've ever met. And I think this week is much the same. Yeah, same here. I mean, I love talking about women, women in the Bible, but uh, we're in a month of March where the focus is on women and uh, the history of women, but also it is a month talking about brain injuries. And so our guest today, we're going to dive into both conversations. Now, what's incredible was last week, we had a chance to talk with Drew Urquhart, who turned out to be a basketball player. And, you know, we talked basketball March Madness and now brain injury month and that. So we have a chance to talk with uh, Dr. Marina Hoffman Willard. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you guys today? Doing good. Thank you. I feel like when you become a doctor or PhD, it has to be said and so I, I, I hope you're okay with us making mention of just how amazing you are. The Lord in me is the most amazing part, but that degree took a long time. I'm sure that we'll probably dive into that, but uh, you have to answer our skill testing question. It's probably going to be the hardest question that you will get for today. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? Wow. So Marina Hoffman from Canada, although I live here in South Florida. Sorry to all the Canadians because I know how brutal the weather can be. And that's really why we moved down here because our injuries were too, too big for the cold winter. But I have a husband and a daughter and I teach at university and I really love talking about women in the Bible and encouraging women of faith. I think we all need someone, you know, on our side of the court, cheering us on, saying that we can do it, even on the days we feel tired and overwhelmed. But um, as Holly was saying, women do amazing things in the Bible. And I believe women are doing amazing things today, too, building God's kingdom day by day. When it comes to uh, being born and raised in the lovely Great North White, where everything is cold in the winter and (laughs) not as warm in the summer, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in the Toronto area. So we grew up north of Toronto a little bit on Steeles. I'm going to say Rexdale because all the old timers will know exactly what I'm saying. I went to Tyndale Bible College and University and then McMaster and then U of T. So I've always been around the GTA area. Yeah, and it sounds like you were able to take that, um, the path of going into Christian education, especially after school. Was faith always a part of your life? Yeah, my parents are Christian, and I was really blessed with a grandmother who loved God's word and would make us learn the verses. In fact, if we wanted dessert, we would have to quote all kinds of verses. So it taught me sometimes it doesn't really matter the motive you have in life. Learn God's (laughs) word, because those verses that she taught me are the ones that have stuck with me all these years, even with my brain injury. We all have these hopes and dreams. You know, I want to grow up and be a doctor. I want to grow up and be a lawyer or a firefighter. Where was your dream? I entered into philosophy because I thought that would be a better career. But then when I took my first Old Testament class, I loved it so much on the spot. I switched degrees and I knew that was my path. And Johnny, I didn't really know where it was going to go. I was a complete statistic. The 5% that actually make it through without a life goal. I stayed in school because I really knew nothing else to do. I don't suggest that, but I loved school. And when I got my doctorate, thankfully, it did lead to a job because it doesn't always... It's so true. You kind of get to the end of the school year and you're like, okay, what am I doing next? What was that first job out of school? I worked here at Palm Beach Atlantic, but I did take a year and a half because 
as soon as I finished all my education, our accident happened. So I had to delay everything for a year and a half. You've mentioned it a couple of times, your accident or the injury. So what had taken place in, in which now you've made this huge lifestyle change? Yeah, I was coming down from the long February weekend in Sudbury with my husband. And this is back eight years ago when the road was under a lot of construction and we were going over a bridge. It was down to one lane each way. And we were going, you know, about 105 miles an hour, 105 kilometers an hour each, everyone, um, because it was heavy traffic coming home. And the person coming toward us at the very spot that we were going over the bridge, his head fell down and he just drove into us. In two seconds, it happened. There was nowhere to go and there was nothing to do except take the hit. And I believed my life was over. And in fact, Johnny, I was really shocked when I came to and realized that it wasn't heaven. So he fell asleep at the wheel? We don't really know. Unfortunately, he passed away. And so we don't know what happened. We just focused on recovery and moving forward and to accept that sometimes really bad things happen in life. And there's nothing you can do to prevent them sometimes, but you can sure make the best of it going forward. So he hits you. You wake up where? Looking into chaos, the windshield was all cracked. Thank God it the glass didn't break, but it was all smashed up. And I'm looking at the face of one of the mountains up north coming down. So I just saw complete chaos. And I remember thinking, Johnny, this is not at all what I thought heaven would be like. This is really disappointing. Lord, you've really <laughs> let me down. Is this the best? Because all I could think was suffering and pain and ugliness. And then, of course, in the seconds that followed, I realized I was not in heaven and the pain was real. It wasn't some kind of metaphorical pain. I was actually in a lot of pain. I've heard before that the first thing that someone tries to do in an accident is to get out. They want to remove themselves from the situation. Was that something that you were able to do? No, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. And I was really crazy. I was out of my mind. I was terrified of being in the car. And I thank God the person that was right in front of us and stopped was a retired firefighter and the couple behind us were EMT workers and they literally ran toward me as I was trying to figure out the seatbelt and they bear hugged me to my seat because if I had stood the surgeon told me 10 days later I would have only tried to stand I would never have been able to stand I had all kinds of internal injuries and I would have died on the spot that's um some very jarring news to receive from a medical professional how did you receive that Yeah. And I can add also, Holly, that the airbags should have killed me. So literally no one knew that I was alive. But my husband at the last second when their brakes were disengaged and he had no control over the wheel because we were in the accident, he threw his body on top of me and took all the airbag impact. So it was two ways that I was saved, really. And, um, you know, when I realized all of this, I could only be thankful that I was alive. And I kept thinking, I don't feel fully alive because I had I was in a bad case, and yet I really knew somehow that God had a purpose for my life. And even if I didn't feel it in that moment, Holly, I went back to what I knew was true in God's word. So it was almost a mental claim. I will claim for myself that God has a purpose and he has saved my life for a reason that I can't see right now. At what point did you realize how serious everything was? When I became more self-aware in the days that followed and I began to realize that I couldn't really talk, I would try to even say yes or no and it would take a long time and I would endlessly stutter over every Mm. syllable. 
that's when I really realized something was wrong. And then the look on other people, not my close loved ones, but other people would just be really frustrated at me and say things like, I just told you that. And then I began to realize I was getting social cues from people that I had never had in life. And as I asked my husband about it, he said, yes, yeah, you stick to about three or four questions on repeat for hours. And I was amazed for someone to tell you that is so jarring and shocking. I I honestly can't even imagine what that would have been like, for sure. Frustrating. You know, was there any point where you just wanted to, to quit? It was just too hard? Yes, Holly. I would say almost every single day, all the time, mm. all the time life was so hard. And I remember that some of the biggest mountains I had to climb was simply to get out of bed and to face the day and the simple things of life, simple hygienic needs, just to take a shower and all that work that would be to brush my teeth. Some of the basic, most basic things of life I take for granted now were major challenges, but I think everyone who has gone through recovery knows sometimes you don't get to the end except for a lot of work with the baby steps forward. And even if you feel like you're falling back, you have to take another two steps forward. You're involved in this accident. Uh, You you have these struggles. All in all, what was that? What injuries occurred in the collision? So I had four lacerations to my bowels, which they had to do emergency surgery on when I arrived so they couldn't do the dye test the the surgeon literally opened up my torso and checked every organ by hand and wow. so that 10-hour surgery was very disruptive to my body and as she put it all back as she told me everyone's a little bit different so there my organs were in the right spot but not the spot exactly I was born with so as they moved around and found a new place all that trauma created a lot of scar tissue that was one of the lasting challenges I had. And then I had a brain injury. And somehow that led to multiple problems. The brain injury impacted my executive functioning in the day to day. But I had severe PTSD, severe depression, severe anxiety. And not only my lawyers tested that, but the car insurance who wanted me to be fine so they wouldn't have to pay out kept diagnosing me that every six months for five years. So that just gives a little bit of a weight to the struggle that I had day by day. I can say in lay terms, I was just so anxious and so depressed every minute of every day. And I want to continue down uh, talking more about that. But um, you're dealing with that. What about your husband? Somehow he did not really get a brain injury. I mean, he was traumatized to a degree, but he overcame that fairly soon. He was really uh, affected by his physical injuries. So thank God, again, Johnny had saved his life when he threw himself on me. Because despite his seatbelt being on, he moved a lot. And his engine by the other car was pushed into his seat. So you can imagine what these poor firefighters feel when they come to the car and look in and there's his engine, right? They did not expect a body to be living and breathing, but it mostly pushed his hip out of his socket and he had ankle injuries. One was totally broken and crushed, had to be rebuilt. The other one was more or less fixed in time and just with a cast. And his knees were saved also because he had moved himself over. So, but he had eight ribs and the, it's not funny. It was funny a long time later, his first injury, he gave himself on the right side when he threw his body over to save me. So I always feel like that's one he took for the team. And um, beyond then, beyond that, Johnny, just a lot of scar tissue like I had. I can't even imagine here. You're both, I'm going to guess in the hospital uh, for a little while or so. Uh, as well, it, it just hung out in the middle of nowhere, Holly. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just mean like how 
it just had been very hard to go through that. But at least you had each other. Did, was this a moment that made you guys stronger as a couple? Hmm. Absolutely. I, in many senses, felt very alone. And yet in my aloneness, I knew I was 100% with my husband. So there was a great sense of aloneness and a great struggle. But through it all, I knew I had one person always with me. My husband, I think his own act of sacrifice for me and to think of me in that moment shows the kind of man he is. But he was with me every step of the way. And for years and still to this day at the odd time, I'll say, what's that word again? And he'll stop everything and work it through and help me find another word that I haven't recalled and relearned yet. So he just stood by my side. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't drive for a long time. He drove me everywhere to all the rehab that we did and so it was a very hard path but to know that we suffered together and that both of our futures had to be redefined and even our personalities to a degree had changed so much you know my husband talks about the empathy he has and he is I would say a manly man but one day we were at this event and we saw a very poor man a war vet he had no limbs and he's struggling to sell pencils for 25 cents on the side of the road in a, on a very bitter cold day. And we just were crushed. I mean, Holly, my tough guy husband was in tears. It was so moving and so heartbreaking because to some degree, and certainly much more than before accident, we understood some of the challenges that he faced and what he went through when his life changed dramatically. So we became different people, but of course, still the people God originally made us, but it did take some changes. When you break an ankle, you, you know, you, you get casted and, oh, you're six to eight weeks. Or when you're dealing with this, ah, oh, this is, were you given a recovery time as to what they expected you to recover from all of the injuries that you uh, ended up enduring? I am so thankful that the people that were helping me through, all the professionals were very honest with me. And they would say on paper in Canada, our goal is to get you back to your previous normal state, but that will never happen. You are a different person in many ways and your future will be redefined and who you are is going to be redefined, but you can create a new normal and you can create a new future for yourself. And I think also, Johnny, to be very honest about it, how far we come in life ultimately really depends on us and our ability, I think, to allow God to give us the strength and perseverance to keep going. And I don't know how anyone would do it without faith. I mean that honestly, there were days where I couldn't get out of bed and I know it was the Lord his strength within me, the life of Christ, helping me to face every new battle, even if it was just to sit in the car, never mind start it and actually drive again. So the Lord's strength is so great. And I will say, Johnny, that while my future is so different than I thought it would be, it is much richer because through suffering, God formed me to be a much better person and gave me a platform to share the incredible faithfulness of God, which I would not have had without all the trauma that we went through. We talk about the physical, but then there's the mental and the emotional, which is uh, something completely different. I mean, uh, my wife is a, is a trauma therapist, and so a lot of people throw around the word trauma a lot, but you have dealt with these tra- this traumatic event. How long did it take for you to become comfortable to talk about what you were going through? Well, about a year and a half later, 
I was doing my first course down here in Florida. And some people think, wow, a year and a half, they recovered quickly. We were not recovered at all. I felt like a hot mess all the time. I was like, what am I doing? All I can do right now is be as fake as possible and try to fumble my way through. So I rehearsed every word in my lecture over and over. And here, mm-hmm. two weeks in, Johnny, I was about to talk about Exodus and I'm preparing for it. And can you imagine me trying to prepare to talk about the miracles of God while pretending that I was not really who I was. So I just broke down before the Lord and I said, God, I've really been missing out. So I scrapped my lecture plan. I made it through as best as possible. But in the last 10 minutes, I decided to share my testimony with the class. And I was so ashamed. I mean, my eyes were down. I didn't look up. I timed it to just get it out. And then the bell would ring as it were, and I would be free. Well, I finished my testimony and I don't hear any shuffling. No one's moving. And I'm waiting awkwardly and awkwardly and looking down. And finally, I think, has the room already emptied? I literally thought that. So I look up and this 40-some group of people, there's not a single dry eye. All the men, all the women, they are crying and so moved. And some are literally sobbing. And they asked one question after another. And it just opened up their heart and their lives and their suffering and their anxiety. And it was a beautiful moment that redefined the rest of my life. Because I thought never again will I fake it. I will be authentic about who I am and how far I still have to go. And yet share the faithfulness of God to what he did for me and that he walks through me in that anxiety. And, you know, Johnny, the beauty is that whereas I had hidden it from the students before, they became instruments of God's healing and blessing and helped me um, in many ways as I taught that semester. Isn't it incredible when um, you have that bravery and, and you're able to be vulnerable, how not only you are positively impacted, but others as well. And it's such a, a tragic lie that we have to hold this all in. You know, we can't let people see the real us because we are broken or because we aren't well or insert excuse here. And yet when you can push past that lie, wow, so much more of a colorful life you can live. Yeah, and there's such a powerful testimony to see, look how far God brought me and look what God's done in my Mm -hmm. life. But there's also, I think, a greater power. And this is to what you're saying, Holly. There is a greater testimony to say, I am, I have not arrived, but every single day with every struggle, God is my strength and he helps me through it. And in my experience, that message resonates with others so much more. And yet when we look back to see what God's done, it can certainly give hope to others. And those are stories that we need to share. But We also need to be open and say, I'm still struggling, but look at the way God has helped me even today and yesterday. And I know that same God is helping you and will continue to help me in the future. So it's powerful, no matter what our story, it doesn't need to be dramatic. Any little bit that God helps us through, I think some of the small ways are what people most need to hear about. Yeah, I love saying, hey, I make mistakes. God's not done with me yet. (laughs) Um, you talk about different struggles. And so from, from day one of accident to where you are now, unless you, I mean, you mentioning the fact that you were in this and that you were dealing with brain injuries and whatever, something that I'll be honest, I don't think that I would ever know. I mean, not knowing who you are and Holly could say the same thing, but us knowing who you are now, what struggles are you dealing with currently post-accident? Well, Johnny, can I jump in and say one little piece of this story that explains a lot? I, the doctors told me that I couldn't get pregnant. And yet four years later, I did get pregnant. It was 
really miraculous that it happened. And the doctors were full of doomsday, right? It's going to make my brain messed up. It's going to wreck my hormones. My body's going to be wrecked. I could hemorrhage and die. I mean, this is what I was dealing with. And none of that happened. Praise be to God. This wild child of mine kicked out all my scar tissue. So that explains a lot of my physical strength and recovery. She kicked it out. By six months, I was pain-free. And the hormones of pregnancy really reset uh, my whole body. So I had I lost all my anxiety and depression. I was happy all the time. And again, the doctors, you know, they said, well, as soon as you'll give birth, it'll all come back and be prepared. And again, none of that happened. And by the time she was six months, I decided to stop being afraid every day that my depression and anxiety would come back. And instead, to thank God and praise the Lord and simply accept my recovery. So that's a lot of the healing I took, I took a big jump during the gift of my daughter's pregnancy. And yet today, you know, even yesterday, I was thinking about something, an idea I had, I felt like maybe it was a dream of the Lord that he was putting in my heart. And all I could think, Johnny, is I can't, I can't, I can't. Lord, let me tell you why your dream is wrong for me, why I'm the wrong person, why I don't have the platform, influence, ability, or qualifications to do it. And here I'm just going on and on. Johnny, I went on a walk to listen to the Lord and I did all the talking. So I still struggle. And there's still times I have to say to stop myself and say, I am who I am in Christ. The Lord will take care of all my shortcomings and everywhere that I am weak, because I have lots of weaknesses. That is where I can go in God's strength. And how much better to rely on God's strength within me than my own human strength, which is far less. I love that you said that you went on a walk to talk to God or to listen to God. Yet you did all the talking. (laughs) That's so true. It is so true. Um, But that listening is so important as we heal, no matter what injuries it is, physical, mental, emotional for you. How have you started to listen to God in a different way? Really don't take the... I'll say bad things that happened because I don't want to overuse the the word trauma either. But I think even in the last two years, things have been universally traumatic for us. And Mm. people lost their businesses. People lost their financial savings. People had major issues relationally in their family, sickness, all kinds of things. And those things happen in regular life. But how much harder have the last few years been? So I try to say, God, if you're closing a door, it really is because you're opening another one. And you don't want me to go down this path because you do have something greater. And sometimes, Holly, I feel that. I feel that God has more for me than I could ask or imagine. And sometimes I don't feel that. And I remember in the accident, I didn't feel any of that at all. But I knew it in my heart and in my mind. So sometimes I say, yes, I feel despondent today. I feel that I can't. But I'm going to get up and do it anyways in the strength of God. And in faith in Jesus, I'm going to move forward. And I think that's a wonderful perspective to have. Again, it would only have come if I hadn't, wouldn't have come if I hadn't gone through trauma myself. But that's one of the lessons I learned. Sometimes you can think about your feelings and maybe talk it out with a loved one, but you don't have to act on them. You can act on the promises of God that you know in your mind and your heart, even when you don't feel them. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm most jealous of, if I can be honest, is the fact that you do live in Florida. Why did you make the move from the most beautiful country of Canada down to the most even beautiful place? That's not even a word. Yeah. Of Southern Florida. <laughs> um, it was in our heart to, to 
to live on the ocean beforehand. And this was the only school I could find that was literally on the ocean and evangelical Christian. So I applied before all this accident happened. Mm. And I was absolutely shocked when they called me and, and started talking about the plans for August. I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't even know who they were. I had to Google in my email account the person's name to find <laughs> some contacts. And I was like stunned. I'm like, Larry, I got a job. Did you know that? And he's like, oh, yeah, we were talking to them, weren't they? We did not remember anything. So a year a year later, we managed to come down. And I say managed. I think I took a wheelchair in the airport. I was such a mess. Um, we came down here. We said life is really hard in Canada. And so even if it's hard here, it's going to be better because it'll be warmer. And I think sometimes people need a fresh start. And I did. Um, just so much had changed in my life. I felt very out of place in my old world, being such a different person. So for us, it was a blessing. It really worked out for us. I want to jump into this women in the Bible side of your life, because at some point you got an idea to write a book that focused on women in the Bible and a Bible study. So when did the idea for this book come to you? You know, as the world was hitting a lot of hard times a couple years ago, I realized my students were totally riddled in anxiety and depression and fear. And those who had a bit of struggle were now overwhelmed. And people who never had anxiety were literally shaking. And some of them had to be hospitalized. And I thought, Holly, what can I do to reach these students? And up till then, I was trying to impact them one by one, life by life, which is wonderful. But when you suddenly go online, you don't have that connection that you have in person and before and after class. So I really wrote this book for my students who were struggling. And I thought, let me give them models of people, of women in the Bible who do did incredibly courageous things. And some of them were terrified and some of them faced impossible situations. And yet God worked in their lives in mighty ways. And if we believe that God worked the same in the Bible as he does today, then the same God is available to us. And sometimes it's a case of, Simply being willing, saying, Lord, I surrender who I am and all my shortcomings to you and all the things the world tells me I lack. I don't have two million followers. I'm not an influencer, but I surrender that to you because that doesn't matter in God's kingdom. What matters is simply that we are willing and humble enough to say yes when God calls. So Holly, that's what I teach. And that's also my own testimony. I didn't feel qualified to do it all. I didn't have a platform, but I had a simple willingness. And I thought, Lord, again, like how many times do you have to teach me if you give me a dream and a vision to do it? Am I going to spend the next month saying no and like talking to God again? I just decided to do it. And I thought, whatever happens, happens. I'm tired of saying no. And this is not the time we live in. If we're waiting for the perfect time and everything to line up to follow the dreams God has given us, Holly, that time will never come. Never, never in our lifetime. So maybe we can just go forward anyways with the things they are now. And for me to share the platform of women in the Bible to all that will listen and all who want these models and encouragement for their life, then we just do it whether we're ready or not i love that what has the reaction been from people then who've had a chance to dive through it and kind of see what your goals were most of the feedback i get is surprised from very mature christians that they actually learned something Mm. so that's a great compliment like (laughs) i thought i had heard it all so i find mature people just being able to see scripture a little bit through another perspective. I hope that I don't bring bias to scripture, but I have a different perspective, right? I've been traumatized. I've suffered with infertility. So I think I have a a sense of a deep and profound look at these women because I've shared their sufferings. And from young women, I find that it's so accessible. Stories that they read and maybe a little bit and knew, maybe didn't. 
They're thinking, wow, this is a model for my life. These women have done something I can also do. I can bring my prayer request to God and share my heart and then trust God that things are going to work out. So I get lots of feedback. It's it's spreading slowly, but surely a lot of churches love it. And I'm thankful with every message I get of women whose lives are really impacted and who were blessed and encouraged and inspired. Because I think that's what we want to do. We want to inspire the church with these role models. Was there uh, a female that surprised you as you were writing the book? Surprise, I would say Rahab. I had a general sense of what I wanted to write about her, but as any any of us do, when we study a Bible and a scripture and we talk about it, we're going to read it over and over. And I thought, boy, I really glossed over how profound and prophetic her speech is. She mm. looks at two spies as a complete outsider. She's not from Israel. She's not traveling and taking airplanes and listening to social media. How does she know all that God has done for them? It's incredible. Again, Johnny, I think it's a a case where she used her position as a prostitute, right? Everyone's coming and going, all these people passing through. She's listening. She's paying attention. She's analyzing. And when the moment comes for her to do something significant, she takes it. Those spies from Israel come, spies, Johnny. They don't really do any spying, do they? They go to her house. They hear the word of the Lord from her. Rahab says, this is what God's going to do. He's going to give you victory. These non-spy spies then just leave her house. That's all they've seen and done. They go to Joshua, give him the message right from the mouth of Rahab, and bam, victory for Israel. So, yeah, I knew that before, but when I really got in, I'm like, wow, this woman is prophetic. And if she can be prophetic, if she can speak to her generation, Johnny, I think you and I can, all of us can. The theme for March is break, hashtag break the bias when it comes to Women History Month. And I love that about how you're sharing the story of Rahab. I mean, the bias is she's just this prostitute in this place. And, you know, the, her story does get glossed over. For you, what does break the bias mean as it pertains to bringing light to women in the Bible? Hmm. I think the greatest bias really is this idea that they were so oppressed and so silenced and they did nothing and shock and behold, wow, here's a story of a woman. If that's true, I mean, some you can you can argue for both perspectives of scripture, but my side is to say, look at all the stories they are. They're at the beginning of age, every single movement in scripture. We have the great deliverance of Egypt. From slavery, it starts with the story of the midwives. Now we're talking about the conquering of the land, right? Israel moves in and becomes a nation. Well, how does it start with the story of Rahab? Then comes kingship. What's the beginning of the story? Hannah and the incredible son that she raises very much in her likeness. A man of God and she's a woman of God. A man of prayer and she's a woman of prayer. And then, I mean, down the line, we have so many. Esther, we come to Jesus. How does the story of Jesus start, Holly? Elizabeth and Mary. So while we can argue that their voices aren't as loud as some of the men, we don't see a long book of Isaiah written by a woman, but we see women all over. And instead of, I think, focusing so much on how they've been silenced, which is a very, I think, discouraging perspective of scripture, I think we need to focus on how loud they are and how many times they give us beautiful prayers, prophetic prayers. They can speak into our lives. Not To me, that's a much more life-giving perspective that I want to pass on to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now you have a daughter. How has that changed your perspective of women in the Bible? All over, when I think of all the things women in the Bible do, 
I can't help but hope that my daughter will make such a difference too. And I, I'm trying to raise her in light of that to, to teach her all the time, even at the age of three and a half, her ordinary acts are having a dramatic impact on others. And she really does. This little girl who is a wild child, as I discussed earlier, she's still a wild child. She will walk into the room. Her booming voice at three and a half takes over. She's so funny. She's so dramatic. She has a room all the time, laughing and fully engaged. So she has that natural power over people, if I can put it that way. She's a woman of influ- a girl of influence already. I just want to make sure she uses that for the Lord. That's Really, Holly, if I'm honest, my number one life goal is that she'll take all that is in that great big personality of hers and make a difference for the kingdom of God on earth. Mm-hmm. We live in such a very unique time being moms of and Johnny dads of of the next generation of women because there's so much more dialogue, so many more um, examples and role models that are starting to come to light. So it's really exciting. You know, when we were younger, we didn't really have that. But now it's just like, well, who's kind of like you? Oh, let's let's take a look. It's just, it's an exciting time, I think, to be a woman. It is. Thank goodness we live in this time. And some of the limitations that women in the past had to overcome, we don't have to overcome. Mm. And yet I'm sure you agree there's the same sense that we all, male and female, we all uh, have limitations from many aspects of our life. And so just looking to these women, if they can overcome all their limitations and do great things for God and also overcome their fear, move forward in fear or overcome it. I love that theme of the woman in the Bible, that they're so courageous and they make a difference, even though they might have been terrified to move forward in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the Why Me Project podcast. So we'd be remiss if we didn't ask uh, as you reflect on your life. Was there any standout Why Me moments for you? Why me? Um, yeah, I think of that often. Honestly, every time Holly, I have another interview opportunity, I think, Lord, like, what do I have to offer? And then I come back to all the time reminding myself, you know what, I just need to keep it simple. I have to be willing, and I have to be humble. And if I can keep w- being willing to say yes to the opportunities God gives me, and if I keep being humble to realize it's not about me, Through my story, I'm really pointing to Christ. And through what I've overcome, I'm really pointing to God's faithfulness. If I can keep those two things in mind, Holly, then I think my path forward should be pretty okay. Women in the Bible, the uh, small group Bible study, uh, encourage you to uh, pick that up. And uh, you can also check out uh, at Marina Hoffman with one F on the Insta. Marina, we appreciate you sharing your heart and uh, taking some time and hanging with us. Thank you so much. I really hope your audience is encouraged today. It doesn't matter where they're from or what they have or haven't done. God will use them in a mighty way. They'll be willing to say yes to him. Wow. I so enjoyed that conversation. Marina has so much positive energy. I can't believe she's been through what she's been through. And just to see her impact right now is just phenomenal. I love it. That's what I appreciate the most out of this, Holly, is that We talk about the hills and valleys of life Mm -hmm. and we hear about the struggles that people go through, but yet the positivity that they uh, have endured. Yes, they've went through a lot of the valleys, but there's those mountaintops where they're like, yeah, and I went through this and this is what I'm dealing with now. And I'm being honest about it. And she was just so good. Yeah, I love the authenticity. I mean, I kind of thought her why me moment would have been well in the accident and and maybe it's a part of it. But just to hear how God has... Um, worked in her physical healing portion of her life and, you know, having that perspective of you're not going to be the same after this. 
but you could be almost better, right? Like you could grow. And what an incredible perspective to have that why me as just feeling honored that God is using her in such an incredible way. And we and we did not plan it, but the fact that it is March's Brain Injury Awareness Month and yeah. that on Sunday, this last Sunday, was World Head Injury Awareness Day. Yeah. And the fact that we also got to talk to uh, Marina is just, uh, it, it all it all kind of fell into place. Yeah. And it's just also a great reminder when she's talking about her recovery in the hospital, people mm. get agitated with her and frustrated uh, because she kept repeating things. And so if yeah. you know of someone who's going through a situation where there's been a brain injury, they're just, you know, give yourself some grace and space to release that expectation of having a conversation that you could have had prior to that injury and just love them. And, and um, yeah, it's uh, an incredible thing to go through incredibly hard. We would love to hear from you. Uh, maybe there's something you're going through, or maybe you got, uh, as, as they, uh, uh, Holly always says, the, uh, the, the Christianese appraise report or a mm-hmm. PTL. You can uh, go to uh, whymeproject.outlook.com, reach out to us on uh, the Twitter, on socials, on Facebook. You can also download Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Edify, and faithstrongtoday.com. Yeah.